1: We are continuing our series on the Lord's Prayer here on today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Pastor Gary Wagner continues with our look at the fifth petition found in this prayer. Join us. from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Welcome to Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner. Today, we find ourselves looking at the Lord's Prayer once again as our series continues. We'll be in a couple of passages of scripture today, Psalm 51 as well as Luke chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. We're taking a look at the fifth petition. Now, there are Five things wrapped up in this fifth petition, and today we're focusing in on the fact that when we pray this prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, that we would continue in God's favor and grace. Won't you join us here now with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace, once again, Pastor Gary Wagner.
2: Once again, we come to the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And as I said last week, we must pray this petition earnestly day in and day out, because every single one of us stands guilty before God for our own sins and for the sins that we inherited from Adam, which make us debtors to the justice of God. And we cannot make the least satisfaction for that debt. We can't remove it. We can't talk God out of it. We need to constantly pray that he would forgive us of of our sins in our lives. And we can pray the fifth petition confidently, that God will hear us, not because of anything of any worth or merit in us, but because of the free grace of God, because God has graciously decided to forgive sinners. And he decided to forgive sinners through the sacrificial life and death of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, having decided to save us, there was no other way open to him but through the Lord Jesus Christ. So by his sinless life on our behalf, and by his atoning death on our behalf, the provision for the forgiveness of all of our sins is to be found in Him, Jesus Christ, alone, which provision does not come to us automatically or simply by the virtue of the fact that we are human beings. It comes to us only through faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It is for these reasons, the free grace of God, the life and sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the faith in Christ that he gives us, that we are able to pray, Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors confidently, that God will hear us. What we're asking for, what are we asking for when we pray the fifth petition? Well, basically, we're asking for five things, says our larger catechism. We are asking for, number one, And praying that God would acquit us both from the guilt and punishment of sin. And that he would accept us in the beloved. We are praying that God would acquit us. Now acquittal is a legal term. We stand before the judge of the universe. Guilty of breaking his law. And we are praying, O God, Forgive us our debts. You are praying to the judge of the universe. Have mercy upon me. Acquit me. Declare me not guilty of all these sins. I do confess I have committed against you. And accept me in the beloved. Now, if you know the New Testament, you know that in the beloved comes right out of the first chapter of Ephesians. And it is it is talking about the beloved Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not only praying that God would forgive us of our sins, but accept us, because even if He has cleansed us, we still have no right to stand in His presence. Even if God has blotted out all of our iniquities, we still stand there without any worth or without any merit to be accepted in God's favor. So we pray, Lord, having forgiven us, now we pray that you would accept us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because outside of him, we only deserve condemnation. We have no basis in ourselves in being accepted in his presence except through Christ. In other words, all of this has to do with a nice theological phrase that you need to know and understand. And you need to know it and understand it because it's in the Bible. If a theological phrase is in the Bible, you need to learn it because, of course, it's God's word. And that theological phrase can be condensed down to the word imputation. Let me read to you first 2 Corinthians 5.21. He, that is God, made him, that is Christ, who knew no sin to be sin on your behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That verse is about imputing. And it is the reason God can forgive us of our sins. And impute means to charge to someone's credit. It is to put to someone's account. And Paul says there that when Jesus died on the cross, our sins were credited to him. Our sins were imputed to him just as if he had committed those sins himself, which, of course, he did not. But as our God appointed substitute, he bore the full brunt of the consequences of our sins that were charged to his account in our place. Now, when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, we believe that our debts were charged to him, that he was our substitute. And we pray, Lord, credit to our account, your perfect life. Credit to our account, your righteousness, your obedience. We don't deserve anything good from you, God. So we thank you that you have taken our sins upon yourself. And now we pray that you would clothe us, that you would charge to our account your perfect life and your atoning death on the cross, so that when we stand before God and he asks us why we should be allowed into his heaven, our only answer will be because of Jesus. Because of the perfect life and atoning death of the Lord Jesus Christ credited to us. That's what you're praying. And when you are praying the fifth petition. Did you know that? Here again, where would we be without theology? Forgive us our debts is a whole world of theology. A whole big bundle of doctrine interrelated to one another. And we are praying, forgive us our debts. We are praying, Lord, charge my sins to Christ who died on the cross and credit his perfect life to me and accept me, not because of anything in me, but because of him. And forgive me of our debts, not because of anything in me, but because of what he has accomplished in my place. A whole world of theology. Well, that is the first thing we're asking for when we ask God to forgive us our debts. The second thing we are asking him is that we would continue in his grace and his favor to us. Forgive us our debt means, Lord, help us to continue in your favor and in your grace. Second Peter chapter one, verse two has this blessing. It says grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now that's an interesting verse. Because Second Peter, just like First Peter, is addressed to Christians, to believers who already stand in the grace of God, who are already in God's favor. And Peter is saying, may the grace and may the peace of God increase in your life. May you not only continue in God's grace and favor and peace with him, may, but may that grace and all of its power and that peace increase in your life through your knowledge of God, and of your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that as we increase our knowledge of God, by studying His Word, and meditating on it, and listening to the preached Word, as we seek to broaden and deepen our understanding of God's love for us, and God's demands upon us, who God is, and what God's will is for our lives. And as we do that in a believing way, then God causes His grace, not only to continue but to be multiplied in our lives. And this peace that we enjoy with God and with each other in Christ will increase as we grow in our understanding of the Word of God. And when we ask God to increase His grace and His peace to us, we must be assured, beloved, that He will. There is absolutely no doubt that God will do that for His elect. Once God saves you, you stay saved. Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace you are saved. In Greek it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is written in the perfect tense in Greek, which means having been saved in the past at one point in your life, you will remain in that condition now and forever. So that being the case, if we are now and forever in the grace and favor of God, why ask him for it? Why pray, Lord, continue to look upon me with grace and favor? Because God says there are some things he gives only in answer to our prayers. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened to you. So when God makes a promise, what does that say to the believer? Well, God has made me a promise. I'll just sit here and I'll twiddle my thumbs because it really doesn't matter now. I'm saved. It doesn't really matter how I live. Everything is just automatic at this point. Of course not. The believer says, Lord, I thank you for your promise of eternal salvation. I thank you for your promise of unlosable grace and favor, and I pray that you would continue to have grace and favor on me, your worthless child. That's the way a Christian prays, and that's what you pray for when you say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Then also we are praying that God would pardon our daily failings, that God would forgive us of our daily sins, forgive us our debts that we commit day in and day out, moment by moment throughout our lives. There's something we need to remember about ourselves because we all have too high of opinion of ourselves. And that is that as sinners, we not only cannot pay back our back debts to God, We can't even stay current with our debts. We can't even pay back our current debts that we committed already this morning before we came to church. Every day we increase our debts by our sins. We sin every day, which means every day we deserve to be condemned for our sins. Every day our debt grows greater. Therefore, we believers every day should rejoice in the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ by God's grace. And every day we should seek forgiveness and renewed assurance of forgiveness from God for all of our daily sins. And as we ask God for forgiveness and to pardon us for our daily sins, remember how God reassures us. He assures us through the preaching of the Word of God, through the reading of the Word of God, through the hearing of the Word of God. He does it through the sacraments. That's why reading the Bible and hearing the Bible preached are so important. And family worship and taking the Lord's Supper every week and baptism because these are the divinely ordained instruments by which God answers your prayers as a believer to forgive you of your debts. These are things God uses, the means of grace that God uses to give us increased forgiveness and increased assurance in our lives. And that's why you should allow whatever the sacrifice To set aside Sunday for the hearing of the preached word of God. Regularly read it to your family because these are the instruments along with the Lord's Supper that God uses to reassure us that our sins are in fact forgiven. It is of great significance, by the way, that in Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer in chapter 6, verse 12, it doesn't say, forgive us our debt. It's not singular. It is plural. Forgive us our debts. That plural of debt signifies that day in and day out, we have many, many sins, all kinds of sins, every single one of us, secret sins, public sins, daily sins, moment-by-moment sins. And the point is that in our prayers for forgiveness, we're not dealing with sin in some kind of abstract sense, my beloved, but with concrete sins committed by us throughout the days of our lives, many of which are known to us, some of which are not known to us, but sins which should specifically confess in our prayers to God with sorrow of heart. You know, it's easy to approach God's throne and to ask him to forgive us of all of our sins in some kind of general way, sort of as a a catch-all. After all, you've asked him for all the other things specifically in your prayers. We're not general in our requests to him. We're pretty specific in asking for things we need. So-and-so needs to be healed. Oh, Lord, bless him. Help so and so's baby to be born safely. Help this person meet their financial needs. Lord, help me to be the man you've called me to be. But then we say, Jesus, forgive us of all of our sins. Amen. When we speak in non-specific terms like this, when we are praying in private particularly, and we just pray abstractly, Lord, forgive me of all my sins, We are using the word sin without any content. It means absolutely nothing. And when we just say, Lord, forgive us of all of our sins, in some kind of abstract sense, there is nothing personal about our confession of sin. When we leave our confession of sin in this general form, we are not bringing our own recognized, personal, individual moral corruptions before God's throne of grace and asking concretely for forgiveness for specific sins. So whenever you pray the fifth petition, particularly by yourself, I'm not saying that when you're having family devotions, you spend 45 minutes regurgitating all the sins in your life and discouraging everyone else that's there. I'm talking primarily about your own personal life before God, that whenever you pray the fifth petition, forgive us our debts, it's always good to think about it for a few moments and then elaborate on it before you go on to something else. In other words, whenever we pray confessions of sin in private, it should be something like this. And this is a prayer taken from a work by Herman Hoxema. He prayed like this. Our Father in heaven, please forgive what arose in my mind and still arise with, within me. The evil desires of murder and adultery and theft and of rebellion of which I am now conscious. Now, beloved, this is a not a criminal. This is not a man sitting in a prison cell thinking like this. This is a very godly and famous theologian of the 20th century. And he says, I now bow before your throne with the evil speech, the evil words which I spoke against you and against the brethren and all the evil deeds which I have committed. Forgive them all, our father, and remember them nevermore. Dismiss from your mind for all, for they all make me worthy of your wrath and give me grace to believe in spite of them all. Even as I am sorry for my sins, I am righteous before you in Jesus Christ, my Lord. Be specific, in other words. But don't fall into the trap that many have fallen in today, and that is, I have actually heard people say that God only forgives the sins that you mention. Oh, I praise God that's not true. Praise the Lord that the forgiveness of our sins... Now listen. The forgiveness of our sins does not depend upon the thoroughness of our confession, but on the thoroughness of Christ's ability and willingness to forgive. Nothing about the forgiveness of your sins depends upon you, beloved. It depends entirely upon Christ. But nevertheless... It behooves us to be specific in our prayers. Here's one of the most famous confessions of sin for public use ever written. It's from the old Anglican prayer book, and it goes like this. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord... Have mercy on us, miserable offenders. Spare thee those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thee those who are penitent according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. Then there is a book of prayer that Everyone here should have and read from regularly because these are some of the greatest prayers that have ever been prayed by God's people throughout the centuries in private and in public devotions. They can help you express yourself more effectively. And let me read to you a couple of great confessions of sin from the book that Dr. Bernaldi read from earlier, The Valley of Vision. Listen. Holy Lord, I have sinned times without number in being guilty of pride and unbelief, of failure to find thy mind in thy word, of neglect to seek thee in my daily life. My transgressions and shortcomings present me with a list of accusations, but I bless thee that they will not stand against me, for all have been laid on Christ. Go on to subdue my corruptions and grant me grace to live above them. Let not the passions of the flesh nor lustings of the mind bring my spirit into subjection, but do thou rule over me in liberty and in power. I thank thee that many of my prayers have been refused. I have asked amiss and do not have. I have prayed from lust and have been rejected. I have longed for Egypt and have been given a wilderness. Go on with thy patient work, answering no to my wrongful prayer and fitting me to accept it. Purge me from every false desire, every base aspiration, everything contrary to thy rule. I thank thee for thy wisdom and thy love, for the acts of discipline to which I am subject, for sometimes putting me into the furnace to refine my gold and remove my dross. No trial is so hard to bear as a sense of sin. If thou should give me a choice to live in pleasure and keep my sins or to have them burnt away with trial, give me sanctified affliction. Deliver me from every evil habit, every accretion of former sins, everything that dims the brightness of your grace to me, everything that prevents me from taking delight in thee. Then I shall bless thee, O God of Jesheron, for helping me to be upright.
1: You're also welcome to visit our website, drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, Post Mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California,